0: If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to open up with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. We'll be in Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to begin reading in verse 5 in just a moment. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. And a few weeks ago, we looked at some instruction that Paul gave to believers about speaking to God and people. And to me, it seems like kind of a long time ago because we've had Easter in there, and and I've been gone for a a weekend there. We We were traveling and different things. And it seems to me like it's just been a long time since we talked about this. And hopefully, if you were here, you remember, you may not remember the sermon points, but hopefully you remember that at least we did talk about uh, the topic. And, and last time when we met together, because there was so much here, even though it's just a, a couple of verses we looked at, we focused just on the uh, prayer aspect, about talking to God. Today, we're going to change our focus to speaking to people. And, and what Paul has to say about how we should act and talk with uh, other people, especially unbelievers. Now, this is a practical text because all of us interact with people every day, don't we? I mean, some of us are in the workforce still, and, uh, and maybe you work alongside people that don't know the Lord. Maybe you're retired or semi-retired. And if that's the case, you still live around and speak with people, uh, and, and some of those are not saved. And this is a, a practical text for each of us, and it's a convicting text because each of us has trouble taming the tongue. You have trouble taming the tongue, so do I. And I know that you do because the Bible says that it's well, just about impossible. It is impossible apart from God's help. And so I know that you struggle with this, as do I and everybody else. So if you found Colossians 4, if you can, please stand to honor God's word. We're going to begin reading in verse 5 and just, uh, just read a couple verses. Paul says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom. Toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond to each person. Thank you, may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see in our text today actually doesn't have anything to do with our words, but rather in how we act. And, and what Paul tells us in verse five is that is that our actions need to match our words. Our actions need to match our words. Looking at what he says in verse 5. He says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Now, he says, act in wisdom. Live with wisdom. Now, a lot can be said about wisdom, about what's wise, what's not wise. In fact, we have a whole book in the Bible devoted to wisdom. you remember what it is? Oh, okay, thank you. We, we got somebody awake. The book of Proverbs Tells, it's a book full of, of short little statements that tell us about how we should be living a wise life, one that pleases God, one that makes him happy. And and a lot can be said about that, but we're not going to go through the whole book of Proverbs. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. Uh, and I draw that conclusion from the text. If you'll notice in verse 5, he calls us to live with wisdom towards whom? As outsiders. Now, clearly, we should strive to live with wisdom at all times, right? No matter who it is that we're dealing with, no matter... Uh, in what situation we find ourselves, but he says, he says that we're to, to especially live with wisdom in dealing with outsiders. Okay? So there's, there's a specific group that he has in mind here, and I think he has a specific reason for saying these things. Now, when Paul uses this language in verse 5 of, of outsiders, he's talking about those outside the church. And he's not using a pejorative term like, oh, y'all are outsiders, we're the insiders. We have the special knowledge, we're, we're the in-group, you're the outgroup, and and so never the twain shall meet. He's not using it like that. This is just another term to refer to those that are outside the household of faith. Okay, these are unbelievers, and so Paul is saying that when you are around a non-believer, when you deal with, when you interact with people outside the faith at work, when you have a business dealing with somebody, in whatever way it is that you interact with these people, do it wisely. Now, notice how he says that we're to do it. Verse five again making the most of the opportunity. Your Bible may say redeeming the time. This has the idea of buying up the opportunities or changes that we have that, that, that are presented to us by God. Now, I just want you to consider how many times in, in, your, in your daily life, maybe it's, maybe it's at work, we'll just use that. How many times when you're at work and you're dealing with an unbeliever, do you consciously make a decision to buy up the time, to redeem the time? To live wisely, many of us are—we we don't even think about it. We're very haphazard in our in our lives. We're not intentional at all. But Paul says that we need to be intentional and take those those opportunities that, pre, that are presented to us. We need to invest in those opportunities. Now, what's that going to look like? Well, for one, this means that our lives are going to be characterized by integrity. The Christian should be a person of integrity. Now, I shouldn't have to say this at church, should I? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad thing whenever we have to focus on the fact that we need to live with integrity, but we do. We need to be honest in our dealings. We need to be upright. We're not gonna be given to lies and backbiting and slander. Have you ever been in, a, in the workplace and the boss is, is thanking somebody for a job well done? A job that you did, but somebody else takes credit for it? We don't do that. We shouldn't be doing that as Christians. We should be giving everybody their just dues. We're going to be people of our word. Our, our yes is yes and our no is no. Now, you're not going to live these things out perfectly. And the people that you work with know that you're not living it out perfectly. The people in your family know that you're not living this out perfectly, especially the longer you spend with people. And if you lose some of that trust, you've got to work to regain it. But we should strive to be honest and act with integrity. Now, there's a saying that that, uh, that we're the only Bible some people read. You ever heard that? That is a scary thought. It's scary to me to realize that I may be the only Bible that people that I work with, people that is in whatever sphere of life that I come into contact with them, I may be the only Bible that they read, and that is scary. And it should be scary to you that that people judge the worthiness of the Christian faith based on your life, but that's what they do. And the way that we live will affect how unbelievers view the faith, because every Christian is a witness. The question isn't whether or not you're a witness. The question is, are you a good witness? And, and when we go out and, and we... We uh, Listen, people don't care about your piety when you're a jerk. And that's just the that's just long and short of it, isn't it? People don't care how much you pray, how much you go to church, how often you go to Sunday school, how much you give to your church. They don't, they don't care about sermons, church attendance, anything else, when you're out there lying, when you intentionally wrong people, when you cuss up a storm, when you cheat on your spouse. Said another way, our lives need to back up our words, because if people just hear words without the life to back it up, it's just a bunch of hot air. And that's what Paul says, verse 5. He says, live with wisdom with those on the outside, those who are not in the household of faith yet. Why? Because if, and this, this is the connection I make between verses 5 and 6, because if you start talking and talking right, like I'm going to tell you in verse 6, if you don't have verse 5 in place, it's just going to be a bunch of hot air. People are going to say, oh, well, that person goes to church. Well, that's nice. They cuss more than I do. So, that's the first thing. Our lives need to back up our words. But secondly, our words, verse 6, need to be gracious. They need to be gracious, seasoned with salt. Look at verse 6 again. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond to each person. Now, when I was growing up in southern Illinois, we used to have a a saying or a phrase to describe certain people is that word salty. You guys use that when you were growing up? Somebody that described as being salty didn't mean that they could serve as a Catholic, but what it meant is that is a person who's kind of rough, right, kind of coarse, maybe aggressive. That's a person you didn't mess with because they took care of their business. You know who I'm talking about, right? That's a salty person, at least back where I grew up. The problem is many of us as Christians have kind of flipped what Paul says here. And their speech is salty and let's have a little grace sprinkled in. But you'll notice that's not what he says. He doesn't say be, be aggressive. He doesn't say be coarse or rough and just sprinkle in a little grace every once in a while. He says that our words need to be full of grace. They need to be, we need to be gracious in speech. You say, now, pastor, does that mean that I've got to talk about Jesus all the time? Does that mean I've always got to be talking about grace and salvation and judgment and all those things all the time, every conversation that I have? If I go to work tomorrow and all that I say is Jesus this and Jesus that, I mean, they're going to run me out of the place. Is that what I have to do? And the answer to that is no. You don't always have to be talking about grace. But as Matthew Henry said uh, many years ago, uh, he said, though it... Though it be not always of grace, it must always be with grace. There's the difference. Though it be not always of grace, it must always be with grace. Though our discourse be that which is common, yet it must be in a Christian manner. In other words, whatever discussion it is that you are uh, that that that's out there on the table, whatever it is you're talking about, you need to be acting like a Christian when you do so. See, sometimes we we kind of compartmentalize our lives and we think that, well, when I talk about church, I'm going to talk this way. Well, when I talk about everything else, I'll talk that way. That's not the way it should be. It should be be a Christian way of talking about all of it. Having said that, there are some things that Christians should be talking about, period. There are some things that should be off-topic in our discussions. You say, like what? Well, in, our previ- in the previous chapter in verse 8, we don't have it up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles open, you can turn back to chapter 3 and verse 8. Paul says, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. That's Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. So in those two verses, we have three things that Christians Shouldn't have coming out of their mouth. The first is abusive speech. Abusive speech. Now your Bible may translate that term uh, various ways, but the, the word that's used here means vile language, filthy language. That's easy enough to understand, isn't it? There, there are certain things Christians shouldn't be saying. There are certain jokes Christians shouldn't be telling. There are certain words Christians shouldn't be using. There are certain topics that should be off limits. Somebody says, Pastor, that's nonsense. That's legalistic. Why shouldn't I just be free to say whatever I want? I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. Isn't that good enough? Jesus has set me free. He who is free is free indeed. Well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you heard somebody tell an off-color joke and you said, Wow, that person must be a Christ follower? When was the last time you heard somebody, you know, cussing up a storm and you said to yourself, Wow. I wish that I was living like that wow that person has something that I don't have they're living different than me they must be devoted to Jesus Christ how many times? zero and that's the point next in verses 8 and 9 he mentions slander that's talking about somebody behind their back This, this has the idea of vilifying somebody you might call it character assassination Christians shouldn't be doing that to anybody. And then in verse 9, he says, don't lie to one another. Truthfulness should characterize the lives and words of those who name the name of Jesus. And I will confess, when I was younger, I had a terrible time to tell them the truth. I got some of my worst, well, today they call them a beaten. I got some pretty good, well, I got my 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 britch is dusted. We'll put it that way. Whew. We're telling lies. Stupid stuff. Over and over again. Jeff, feed the rabbits. Yep. Nope. But guess what? It was found out. And then I wasn't smart enough to learn from that one. Same day. Feeding water of The dog. Yep. We all struggle with it sometimes, don't we? Not just when we're kids. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. But you got to teach kids and, and grown-ups too not to lie. And that's that's the thing. We, we shouldn't be lying. We shouldn't stretch the truth. We shouldn't be telling falsehoods. You should be somebody that that, that somebody can count on. But instead of all that, look at verse 6 again. We should strive to, to be kind and gracious in our words. And he says, our words should be seasoned, with salt. Now what's salt used for? Now this is understood in various ways, but what's salt used for? Well, it works against corruption. For centuries, why they do? They didn't have refrigerators. So gets you get you, you, you killed an animal, what do you do for, with the meat? You can't eat it all in one sitting. You pack it in salt. Why? To keep it from decaying. And that's, I think that's, that's, the, that's the focus of what Paul's saying here, is our word should work against the corrupting influence in our lives and the lives of those around us. So whenever you're in a group of people, and I'll just use work because that's an easy example, but it doesn't have to be work, it could be anywhere, and people are, are saying all manner of things, and there's some, some corruption going on, you might say, there's, uh, things are kind of going downhill, your word shouldn't be contributing to that. You should be working against that in your life and the lives of those around you. And the reason that we're to speak this way, look at verse 6, is so we will know how to respond to each person. So we will know how to respond to each person. So if a person asks you about your faith, you'll be able to give, her, give them an answer for the hope that lies within you, yet how? With gentleness and respect. It means that no matter what you, what, what's asked of you, you respond in a, a kind and pleasant manner. Again, I'm preaching myself. This is stepping on my toes. It means that when a person is mean or harsh towards you, you respond, you respond with a, what the Bible calls a soft answer. Soft answer turns away wrath. And in doing so, you reflect Christ, who even when he was abused and reviled and all these things, he didn't revile in return. He didn't threaten. Now, if you're like me, you read this, you look at your own life, you probably saw areas where you fall short. Maybe you fell short this morning. Probably this past week. Probably oftentimes. Maybe you thought of jokes that you've told that you shouldn't have. Maybe you thought of times when you badmouthed somebody behind their backs. Maybe you thought of those times when you've been upset and you've used profanities. Maybe you've been reminded of, of somebody who asked you about your faith, but instead of responding with gentleness and respect, you gave them both barrels. Several times. I remember Scarlett had a, a conversation, a meeting with somebody a book club or something and there was somebody in the in the group and i don't remember all the details but um, somehow the bible had gotten brought up and and he had some misconceptions about how we got the bible and you know he he was skeptical of of things and scarlet responded and and basically said you should talk to my husband because he knows more about this than i do you ever had you ever had some that somebody do that to you, they put you on the spot. So we set up a meeting. Well, I wanted to be well prepared. And so I, I was studying. So I could give him all of it. And then we met, and this is I'm this is not the, the proper way to do things. Then when we met, he's got it all. And it, it didn't come out just a little bit at a time. It wasn't there there wasn't uh you know, it, it wasn't witty, it, it wasn't winsome, it wasn't any of those W words. It was just probably obnoxious. It was just it just poof. That's not the way we should do things. We should do it. I I unloaded the whole wagon on him. I, I wasn't I don't think I was rude when I did so, but it was I probably could have done things better. That's not the way we should be doing it. James says if you if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body because Taming the tongue is, is very difficult to do, and in those times when when we fall and when we fail, we need to confess to God, ask for His forgiveness, and move on. Because you sitting there wallowing in, in self pity ain't gonna ain't gonna help anybody out. Jesus Himself said that that one day we'd all give an account for every 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 careless word that was that is spoken, and that's a frightening thing. Again, you think about how many words you say in a day. Think about the types of words you say in a day. And one day you'll stand before God. Thankfully, those of us who are in Christ, we don't have anything to worry about as far as our eternal security goes because we've been bought and paid for by by the blood of Christ on the cross. That's what you think. You don't have Christ in your life. You're going to have to give an answer for that. You, will, you, you are under God's judgment. And what are your words going to testify about you? Say, Pastor, my words are, are pretty good. They're not good enough. And even if they are, you're still a sinner in some other area. You say, well, just a little bit of sin is all right, isn't it? Isn't, that, isn't God gracious enough to let me on in? Listen, a mirror doesn't have to be completely shattered for it to be broken. And you don't have to break every one of God's laws to to be a a lawbreaker. If you break any of God's laws, whether it be lying, adultery, any of them, it's enough to send you to hell. But the Bible says that on the cross, Jesus bore our sin. And if you'll put your faith in him, if you will repent of your sin, you'll have that sin forgiven, and you'll be saved. And if you've never done that, I invite you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as musicians to come? And as you stand, I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. There was nobody looking around. I just wonder, what do your words say about you? If somebody didn't know your motivation, if they didn't know the urge the desire that you have to follow Christ, they didn't know about your church attendance, they didn't know anybody, about any of that stuff, all they knew was what you've said, what would they think? That's an unsettling thought. Those times when you fail, there's grace. Psalm 103 says that God remembers our frame, that we're but dust. Maybe there's somebody today that you need. Maybe it's in church. Maybe it's somebody you need to call up on the phone after church. And you just need to tell them, you need to apologize for the things that you've said, for the way that you've said. Maybe, maybe tomorrow when you go into work, there's somebody you need to say, you know what, I, I apologize for the way I acted on Friday. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe again you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. The Bible calls on all of us to repent. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you'd move in our hearts. God, help each of us to uh, use words and uh, live a life that backs it up, that, that pleases you. God, forgive us when we fail because even the, the longer that we stand here and, and consider our lives, the longer that we pray, uh, the more that is brought to mind times that we failed. God, asks ask you to help each of us to To live with wisdom towards those on the outside. And for the person who doesn't know you, I ask that you draw them today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all.